we can get to a point in God and say, I'm comfortable there. That's as far as I want to go. You know, when Jesus spoke the parable of the sower and, and, and the good ground, it was produced 30, 60 and 100. Why did it produce 30, 60 and 100? Well, maybe it was what God had given those people to, to work with. Maybe. Maybe it was just that's where they parked. That's where they decided, that, yep, um, that's my level in God and that's as far as God can take me. God is not limited. Should have been an amen to that. God is not limited. <laughs> There's no limit in God. There is no limit in God. Now, he has a plan for each and every person, and those plans are not the same. But as the desire of our heart is to give everything that we have to him... The plan that he has for each individual life will be fulfilled in him. I'm going to read a, a scripture out of Romans chapter 12. And we know these very well. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's a hundred on the scale. That's everything. That's the whole lot. That's all that I am is yours, Lord. I want to read that out of the same scripture, out of the Passion translation just before that the verses just come before that verse 36 of chapter 11 for to him and through him and to him are all things to whom be all the glory forever amen everything that there is is from him and he deserves all the glory for all that there is for all that he has made us, all that he is doing in us. And then Paul writes. And this is from the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's what should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. As we live in him and allow him to do all that he wants to do within us, it delights his heart. For any parent in the room, when you've seen your children... Do things, little things. It delights your heart. It just delights your heart. And our Heavenly Father is delighted when he sees 
his children progressing in him. So the question is, though, what is a living sacrifice? What's a living sacrifice? Well, let's have a look and see what it is not for a start. It has nothing to do with sin. That's already done. That's already accomplished. Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11 and, sorry, chapter 9 and verse 11 and 12. But now the anointed one has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. For he serves in a greater, more perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made by men, that is to say, not a part of this creation. And he entered once for all into the holiest sanctuary of all, not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but the sacred blood of his own sacrifice, for he alone has made our salvation secure forever. And uh, just over in chapter, 11, uh, chapter 10 and verse 18, it says... So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? So a living sacrifice hasn't got anything to do with sin. Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, has dealt with that issue. So then, what, what is a living sacrifice? I believe it's the person fully available to God at all times for his purpose. One who's conscious of the prompting of the Holy Spirit and obedient to that prompting. It's all that I am, Lord, is at your disposal whenever you need it. <laughs> And I know that, that, that the Lord speaks to us at different times and, 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 and we pretend not to hear. Or <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a process. It's a, it's a growing thing. You know, we, we've, all, we've all been children. We've all heard mum or dad give us an instruction, do this, and we've all not <laughs> at different times. It's a growing thing. We're growing up into him. But Paul uses the thought of sacrifice in his commendation of the Philippian church attending to his needs. I'm going to read that in Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse... Somewhere. Verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So when Paul set out on his missionary journeys to bring the good news of salvation to many, many people, says that Paul says that you were the only group, you were the only church 
that entered into that partnership with me, giving and receiving, but you only. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's the giving and receiving. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received <clears throat> from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a component of our life in God. When we give everything that we have to him, when we open up everything that we have and say, Lord, it's the resources you've given me are at your disposal. It is a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You know, we're, we're living in really, really strange times, aren't we? And I was sharing this morning, the trajectory of the world is going that way. It's, it's getting silly. It really is. It's getting silly. I can define what a woman is for you. A woman is an adult, female, human being. Simple. In Genesis, the trajectory of the world is going that way, but the trajectory of the church is going to go this way, and it's going to be a stark comparison, it's going to be a light in dark places, and that's us, that's His church. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you've made a way for us to come into all the fullness of everything that, that you have. Lord, you've laid a, a path before us. Lord, you've, you've opened up the door and, and, and we've come through that, that, that door. And Lord, then there's an expanse <laughs> on the other side of of Jesus, Lord, that you want us to explore, you want us to grow in, and you want to impart, Lord. So, Lord, as we do all that we do and glorify you in all of that, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that it is a process of as we give to you, Lord, you impart back into us. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And maybe part of that was an offering message. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think we all know how we we give. 
Glory to God. I don't, I don't know quite what you experience in worship. But I know there's a lot more available than we sometimes recognise. And it really is about how hungry we are for him as to how much we're going to surrender and a surrendered heart is a heart that's open to receive from God. Now, some people think that I'm a little bit strange at times um, in that I get... a little bit affected by the presence of God. Well, you're absolutely right. I do get affected by the presence of God. And if you don't get affected by the presence of God, then maybe you should ask him why. Maybe you should
See, when I, when I get into worship, I forget about everything. And, and that's not something that just happens. That's very intentional. I forget about everything. I put everything aside. I have one purpose. That's to worship him. If the church begins to understand worship, they're going to touch something in a supernatural realm that's going to change their heart for everything. See, I've told you before, I'm not into hype and I'm certainly not into flaky stuff or spooky stuff. Some Christians are just spooky. They think they're spiritual, but they're spooky. Some people think I'm a little bit strange, but it's not spooky. This is the presence of God that's overwhelming. If you choose to surrender, Some people don't understand or don't realise sometimes their, their pride stops them from surrendering. Their, what will other people think if I just completely surrender and yield to God? Some people don't know. Some people feel a, a presence or they feel something but they're not sure what it is. But when I... become overwhelmed by the presence of God, which is what it is, I find it very difficult to stand... Now, I said a little while back that I, I would share some experience and stories with you in times to help you to understand that God wants us to understand him in more than a theory or more than words in a book, as powerful as this is. God wants us to have experiential knowledge because when you have experiential knowledge, nothing and nobody can change your thoughts about what you have experienced. The thing about experiencing God 
experiencing the presence of God is that it can affect your physical body in a way that you may feel is a weakness. I can't show weakness. I can't show vulnerability. I can't, I've got an image. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm not like that. Well, I'm not like that either, <laughs> whatever that is. But I want people in this church and Tim wants people in this church and other people in this church want everybody in this church to understand the presence and the power of God because that's what is going to change people's hearts and that's what's going to touch this city, the presence of God. The presence of God is overwhelming. And it's probably the most, well, it's probably the most um, challenging and difficult um, experience or topic, if you like, for me to talk about. Because when I begin to share what I'm experiencing, it becomes very difficult to to maintain. Um, whatever I need to maintain to speak. I was quite happy there just letting Tim speak this morning and I was hoping he'd keep speaking for a while because it's, it's, so, it's so amazing. If you, could, if you could feel what I'm feeling right now, and I, I really hope that and pray that you will. Not that you have to be like me. God help us if you're more like me. <laughs> we don't need another me. <laughs> we really don't. But somebody's got to show you the reality of the presence of God. And uh, and I, I guess until we get hungry, we won't. And I'm not talking about snacking on God. I'm talking about feasting on God. Yeah. Yeah, See, he said, I, I set before you a banqueting table. Yeah. Not a TV dinner. Yeah. Not a packet of chips. You know, it's a banqueting table. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's abundant supply. And I, and I know some people just say, well, that's just what Jeff's like, but I'm not like that. Well, you get a touch of God and you'll be like that too. Yeah. Uh, you will. Yeah. 
Holy Spirit. You are so wonderful. You are more than I can understand, more than I can comprehend, more than any of us can imagine. But Lord, we want more. We want more of you. We want this house to be absolutely saturated and every person in the house dripping with the presence of God. Absolutely pickled in your presence. Changed, Lord. Changed by your presence, by the encounter of your spirit being so real to us, more real to us than anything else in our natural senses, more real to us than our intellect, our thinking, our mind, our understanding. Lord, just that we would be touched by your presence so that we know I've had an encounter with God. And I'm so hungry for more of you, Lord. So, Lord, I'm asking as I, I share your, your word, whatever, this morning, Lord, that it would just be what you want and nothing else but what you've planned and purposed. So, Lord, I'm asking for your help. <laughs> Hallelujah. Goodness. Uh, I have got a couple of verses I'd like to share. In um, the Gospel of John, in chapter 17, this is a wonderful chapter, and uh, if you get time later on today, it, it'd be good to. To, to read it and let it really soak in because if this, if this soaks in it'll help you to understand how much God loves you And in this chapter 17 of the Gospel of John, Jesus is praying. And at verse 20, he has just been praying for his disciples. And now he starts to extend that prayer a little further. And he says, oh, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And I ask not only, he's speaking to his father obviously, for these disciples but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. That's you and I. I pray for them all to be joined together as one. Does Jesus ever pray anything that is not the will of his Father? 
Does Jesus get his prayers answered? I pray for them that they may be one. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. And it gets even more incomprehensible. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognise that you sent me For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them. So that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them. You're one of them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Wow. (laughs) I pray for them to be one, to become one like us. For you and I to become one like Jesus and the Father are one. That's wild. That's, that's really out there <laughs> to be one with each other the same way. I'll get back to verse 21 for a moment. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Can that happen? Does Jesus get his prayers answered? (laughs) For them to be one as we are one. And then he says, the same unity for the very glory that you've given to me, I've given to them. Christ in you, the hope of Glory. What glory? The same glory that the Son has, the same glory the Father has, Christ in you, who is one with the Father, who is one with you, in you the hope of Christ being revealed to one another, revealing the glory of that unity, of that oneness, of that perfect unity of Christ and his church as the Father and Jesus are one. Wow. 
the ultimate unity of the surrendered. How's it going to happen? As we surrender everything of ourselves to him. How are we going to come to that point of recognition of the need to surrender everything of myself to him? Totally trusting him. No longer feeling I need to fight for myself, defend my rights, stand up for my rights, but totally, 100% surrendered to the Holy Spirit because I trust Him to look after me, to complete the work that He's begun in me and to fulfill the plan and purpose He's called me for that I can be one with Him and walk in that spirit of unity, that oneness of purpose where everything I do is what the Father has set in line for me to do, to do the will of the Father in perfect unity with what the Holy Spirit's asking of me so that that which he's sharing through me becomes a uniting force that causes each one of us to love one another with a supernatural love because the glory of God has been revealed to us and we lay everything down because we're surrendered to truth and truth will bring us on into the fullness of Christ and Christ's fullness within you is going to be manifest through you as you surrender to him and say Lord without you I'm nothing that's putting aside all my fears, all my worries, all my rights, all my concerns, all my angers, all the things that have hurt me, that's yielding everything and saying Lord I'm totally surrendered to you I trust you with everything It means I won't even try to initiate anything of my own influence. If it's going to happen, it's going to be because you and you alone do it. Not because I tried to initiate something or tried to get something moving or tried to promote anything. It was totally your will to be done because I yielded, I surrendered everything. There is nothing in me that's trying to promote me. There's absolutely a yielded heart that wants only him to be glorified. Verse 23, you live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. The glory of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is prerequisite for the world to see and believe Jesus is the Saviour 
who came to set us free. For the world to be saved, for the glory to be revealed, there is going to be a unity within the body of Christ that is going to be undeniable presence. And the world will then believe because the church is one with Christ. That is what will cause the greatest revival in this city, in this nation, in the world. What is it? The glory of Christ in you being revealed. And that only happens through surrender and selflessness. No agenda except Christ in me. Father, what would you have me to do today? When the church gets the revelation of Christ within revealed, the unity is going to be undeniable and the world will believe because they love one another so much. I want to read you a couple of verses out of Colossians. Chapter 1. I know it's in here somewhere. Colossians chapter 1. And verse 26, Passion Translation again. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Here's the experiential knowledge of Christ in you, the hope of glory being revealed. Here is the Bible saying we are going to experience Christ within, 
being revealed and this will be what convinces and shows the world that there truly is a saviour who loves the world because I can see it in his disciples. Every one of them who loves just like Jesus loves because they've experienced the realm of the glory and they're over, 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 <laughs> they're over, over, <clears throat> over, <clears throat> over, I'm going to get it out in a minute, they're overwhelmed by the presence of God. I know some of you are thinking, well, if, God, if God's going to touch me, I hope he does it in a different way to the way he's touched Jeff. Yeah, he probably will. Like I said, there'll only be one of me. But, 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 but there is a realm, there is a dimension that you have no clue about yet that you're going to experience in God as you surrender. Remember, I, I've said to you a while back that the church is getting ready. God's preparing the church for an unfolding of revelation of the greater dimensions of the untold mysteries of Christ in you. This divine mystery, this secret, Rotherham translation calls it the sacred secret. But now it's being revealed, it's being unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. So do you have an expectation of glory? Do you have a clue? what that flooding might be like. Holy, filled and flooded with God himself. That's what Paul wrote to the, 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 the Ephesian church, to be holy, that's completely, filled and flooded with God himself. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of the glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. God wants you to know the fullness of the flooding of the riches of the glory Christ in you not tucked away somewhere in the corner to bring out for Sunday service, but Christ in you, ever growing, ever flowing, ever filling and flooding every area, every thought, every purpose, every action, everything in me to be totally surrendered to Him so that Christ in you becomes the hope, the glory, the world sees and is changed because they see Christ in you. What was it that caused the young men that Jesus said, follow me, to leave everything and follow him? It was the anointing upon him. It was the word he spoke with the authority of God 
that caused them to change their thinking and follow him. Then Paul goes on to say, Christ is our message. Christ is our message. Do you like to go back to Gospel of John again for a moment? In chapter 17, we'll go back to verse 1, where Jesus started praying. He says, this is what Jesus prayed when he looked up into heaven. Father... The time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son. Well, who does he think he is? Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son so that I will magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you. Do you have eternal life? Then you must know and experience him daily. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and, here it is again, experience Jesus Christ. See, an experience is undeniable. An experience is a point of reference. I know that I know because God touched me. I know undeniably that he lives in me. And I will explain it to you more, but not just yet. To know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you've sent. I have glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything you've told me to do. So my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when, when we were face to face before the universe was created. Lord, put me back in that place where I was before I came down to visit the earth where I was face to face with you. And we were complete in our unity of oneness Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, absolutely complete, lacking nothing, needing nothing, totally committed to one another in perfect unity, having a completeness within ourselves, but deciding we want to share what we have. We want others to know what we know. The glory, whoa, the, um, 
the realms of glory are going to be unfolded in a greater way in the church. In um, same gospel in John 5, Verse 19, John 5, 19. And Jesus said, I speak to you timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. Did you get that? Of myself, Father, I can do nothing. And I will not even initiate anything unless I see you doing it. We have a lot of Christians who have a desire to see God's will be done and they initiate a lot of things. But if it's not initiated by the initiator, the Father, you're just spinning your wheels. So there has to be that perfect unity of surrender so I know that I know the Father initiated this and the Father's doing the work And Jesus, the Son of God, who had the perfect face-to-face unity in the glory of God before he came to this earth, says, of myself, I can do nothing. It reminds me of what I was sharing last week about Gideon, how he was clothed with the Spirit of God. Just like the glove on the hand. Who's the hand? The Father. Who's the glove? Jesus. And Jesus, the glove, says, of myself, I can do nothing. In other words, nothing is going to happen unless the Father clothes me with his plan and purpose and his word to speak, unless he clothes me, unless he puts me on like a glove, I will not initiate anything. I will only do what the Father says. And when the Father says and I do, the hand is working beautifully. And the hand of God 
when it fills and floods any vessel that surrendered to him will be able to move in signs and wonders and be totally unaffected by that realm of glory in the sense they will not want to take any glory for themselves because they recognize that it's only because the Holy Spirit has put me on like a glove and I know that if he decides to take me off, I'm absolutely nothing. But when the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do such and such, and you think I can't do it, well, of yourself, you can't. This is you trying to do it by yourself. Flipping and flopping, initiating this, initiating that, trying this. Something's going to work. Well, just keep doing something. Something's going to happen. Yeah, you'll wear yourself out. But you get before the presence of God and allow me to put you on like a glove. You're going to see the hand of God begin to stretch through you and touch people. Just like the church in the book of Acts was saying, Father, stretch out your hand through us and do your mighty signs and wonders but they recognized that they were only the glove. And without the glove, I will not initiate anything. Because if he can't do it, it's not going to happen. Because his timing is perfect. And although I may have a revelation and an understanding of what God wants to do, if I haven't spent time waiting and waiting and waiting on him until he decides to put me on like a glove, until that happens, I'm going to keep waiting and praying and waiting and praying because he's obviously wanting to prepare me for something that I'm not ready for yet because how many ministries begin to move in the things of the Spirit of God and they fall because they get affected by the realm of glory they begin to take upon themselves because they think of themselves as being more than just the glove because they get affected by the power that's working through them instead of recognizing without the power that's within me, the Father and the Son working in unity in me and that glory being revealed through me, nothing is going to happen. But when we have a church that's totally surrendered and yielded to the Spirit of God and every individual member allows the Holy Spirit to put them on like a glove and we come together as that one, then we're going to see the hand of God begin to move upon us and God's going to speak through us and God's going to teach us things and we're going to move out of the house of God into the places of where we're working, whatever we're doing, and that glove is going to be so fitted and furnished, we're going to be able to move in the realms that God wants us to touch and we're going to see the unity of the Spirit producing the oneness and drawing people because of the Spirit of God filling and flooding the vessel and that's the only thing that's going to do it despite everything else you see happening and what's going on in the world right now without a manifestation of the glory of God it's fluff not a big fluff But God's sweeping out his church and you don't want to be under that broom. You are going to find with 
with a, a grow-up word that sometimes it's going to be very straight, but it needs to be if we're going to get over ourselves and surrender 100% of everything in us because we've got a greater desire than our will. We've got a desire for his will to be done. So we yield everything say, Lord, I surrender myself. I am nothing without you. I am totally dependent upon you. You've given me some wonderful plans and ideas and thoughts. But until you say now is the time, I'm going to wait on you. The scripture says in in Luke, when Jesus was filled with the Spirit, he was then led by the Spirit. And he was led into some situations that he did not want to go. But he was led by the Spirit of God. Therefore, he was empowered by the Spirit of God and he was clothed with the Spirit of God and he was well able to handle everything that came against him because he only moved inside the realm of the glory glove. Oh, do I like that? The glory glove. Put on your glory glove. Christ in you the hope of glory being revealed. Wow. I want to read you one more little verse. I'm I'm still stuck in Acts, and I will be for a while, I think. Where the church is praying they hear about the opposition what do they do they start painting their pickets we're going to go and protest no they started praying and the opposition began to realise it says in uh, verse 13 of chapter 4 then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. They began to recognise they'd been spending time with Jesus and that's what made the difference. And then it says in verse 23, when they were released, the church began to pray. I read a bit of this to you last week. Um, where will we pick it up? When they're praying. We'll pick it up at verse 29. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building where they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit 
and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. And I spoke to you about what that was. Each one was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with that anointing within the glove and it began to change the whole atmosphere. Not only in the church, but everywhere they went. Now it would begin to affect everywhere they went. And I want to read you a couple of verses. Where is it? In verse... Thirty-two. Now this is the effect that Jesus had upon them. Not only was there an unrestrained boldness when they went out to minister, but in verse 31 it says, and all the believers were one. What have we been talking about? That oneness. One in mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community. Where the Spirit of God is moving in his house and the people, the members of the body are surrendered to the Spirit of God, selfishness is not part of their community community are you going to be here in this church when the reports are coming from outside selfishness is not within their community do you think that could be a reason why some people might think that's not a bad place to be maybe not even recognizing that it's a manifestation of the glory that's causing such a surrender of everything of myself that selfishness is not a part of their community. The verse I read about experiencing the perfect unity is a footnote in the Passion Translation about that perfect unity. And it says the Aramaic word is shrink into one. When we see Jesus in one another, our vaulted opinions of ourselves will shrink. That's what it means. Father, your word has a way of challenging us and we thank you for that. And Lord, because of what you're doing in us, 
we know we can handle the challenge. As we surrender our hearts with a desire greater than anything else for your will to be done in this vessel, that the work you have begun, that you desire to finish and complete, will happen as we get a revelation of your ability and your power to help each one of us to surrender everything of ourselves to you. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would cause this word to become a part of each one of us. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, working with us, you will produce that which is well-pleasing unto you in this house, so that this house will be a house that's filled and flooded with your very presence that the glory of God will be so evident in the house that everyone will recognise they have spent time with Jesus. And we thank you. Even though this seems a big ask, we know that Jesus asked for this to be done. So we get in agreement with that prayer and say, Father, have your way in this house. Have your way in the heart of every person who's willing to surrender all their agenda for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Glory to God. We're coming around a time of communion, so if you wanted to get your elements just over here or over here. Romans 9 verse 33 says, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offence, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So that's a reference that was made in Romans that had been prophesied in, in, um, in the Old Testament and was talking about Israel. And when Jesus came, um, they didn't recognise him and he was actually a stumbling block. They were looking for him. But um, the way he came and how God had it planned, um, it offended them. And many, um, many of uh, God's people, many of Zion, and it talks about Zion, um, were offended. And one of the things was when he said, uh, if, you, um, 
if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no life in you. And uh, it said that many didn't walk with him after that because they were offended. And um, we see in hindsight, because we know Jesus rose again and um, we understand the communion, um, that that, wouldn't, that doesn't offend us now. But if we'd been there at that time and, um, and lived with all the things that they did and how they felt about blood and sacrifices and all of those things, uh, would we have been offended as well um, because we missed, missed what God was doing. And, and um, I was thinking about it and I, I think, you know, wouldn't it be awful if we missed, if we... Like all these people had done everything that God had said to do, you know, they to the law and all the extra laws that they made, and they, you know, tithed on their tiny little bits of herbs and did everything correct, and yet they missed it because they were offended. So, wouldn't it be awful if, you know, like in my case, I've been a Christian since I was 12. And to get to this stage and miss what God was doing because I was offended. And um, so it, it actually says, um, I want to read this, Romans 5 verse 5. Um, in, in the New uh, King James it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And in the Passion Translation, I want to read down to um, verse 11, actually. It says, And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. So this thing that we're believing, this, is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak and powerless to save themselves. So that's that empty glove, isn't it? Um, Now, who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person... But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say of this unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. They're powerful words, aren't they? We will never experience the wrath of God because our hope is in this. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than a friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share his resurrection life, how much more we will be rescued from sin's dimension. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy 
in our new relationship of living reconciled to God all because of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And I, when, when I was looking, you know, in reading about the hope and um, what can happen when, you know, we're believing, we're believing, we're hoping, we're hoping, and, you know, it, it, it can seem like it's taking its time. And, uh, you know, we understand a bit about sowing and, and reaping. It's, it's sowing time and then harvest seed comma is you know in the old in there there weren't any um punctuation in the scripture so we we stuck a comma in uh, possibly the wrong spot so not seed time and harvest how about if it's seed comma time comma harvest so so what in, in the in the whole scheme of eternity? So what if it takes us our whole life to see the promises come to pass? <laughs> because what I've just read remains. So we're walking in what has been bought and paid for while we're waiting to see God, <laughs> the fruit that we heard about today. And um, I thought keeping our hope intact will guard our hearts from offence. And, you know, in reading all of this, um, it kept coming up in, in me. Um, don't be offended. Don't be offended. And we have opportunity the whole of our journey in God to be offended. And, and we think we got it right and then it comes out from left field. And often some from where we, we've never been offended by that person before and all of a sudden something's said, something's, you know, an action, some circumstance and we find ourselves being tempted to be offended. But if we can live, and I, I heard, I had heard a godly young man say um, recently um, I I don't know that I got the words exactly right Caleb but you said to me something that really impacted me you said I am learning to live my life unoffended and um, and and I think on a daily basis we have opportunity to be offended and um, so you know, the scripture says before we take this that we actually, our heart needs to be right because this is powerful <laughs> and the promises in this are powerful. And, and I, when I was thinking about it today, this morning, I thought, you know, in taking communion today, I need to take it with a pure heart. So maybe I need to say to the Lord, is there anyone I'm offended? Because sometimes we don't realise. And thoughts can go and we don't realise we're actually 
it snuck in and we were offended by something, someone, some words, some hurt. And it doesn't hurt the other person, does it? It's like we've heard that analogy that it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, when we take on offence... And um, and so for uh, you know that's what forgiveness is. It's not for the other person. It's for you. It's for me. And I um, can't get my thing open. You know, in that little membrane underneath. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, Tim. So can we just stand? And can I just challenge you this morning before we take this? Because everything we need is in here. <laughs> His broken body was broken for us so that our bodies don't have to be sick. <laughs> and, the, and the blood was shed for us so that our sins can be totally washed away, including anything like a fence that might have taken root in our hearts. And, and we've heard also today that um, the whole spirit is a gentleman. You know, there's no condemnation in this. He just, you know, sometimes I hear him say to me, <laughs> when I'm about to say something I shouldn't have, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, it's kind. It comes from a kind place. And, and I feel that this is the, the kind, compassionate Holy Spirit saying to us today, ask me. Is there anything that I'm offended about? Is there anyone that I need to forgive before I take this? Because we want our hope to be intact. <laughs> we don't want to be shipwrecked at this stage in our lives. And, and Jesus, his promise that what he's begun, he's going to see to the end. He's keep us, he'll keep us, he'll keep us, he'll keep us. And we're going to land this plane really well. Strong. <laughs> because we've kept ourselves pure and unoffended. Lord Jesus, we just come before you today and we just ask, is there anybody or is there anything that's... And have we been offended by you? Have, have we been offended by something you've said to us? We just ask that you just take any little stones that are in our heart that are hard, take them out. Give us a heart of flesh, a pure heart before you so we can serve you with gladness. And we are so grateful for what you've done and that we're able to do this, to be able to stand before you in your, in your throne room and be so intimate and connected with you that we can say, I'm sorry, Jesus. And we know that we wash clean and we can stand before you clean and pure. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just partake of the broken body. And thank you, Lord, for the shed blood. Couldn't have happened any other way. 
and you did it and it looked offensive. But we can see what a wonderful thing you did. You didn't have to come. <laughs> you didn't have to die on the cross, but you did. And we thank you for it. And we know that in this cup is a cup of blessing. And we receive it this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That was our morning. It's 12.01. Glory to God. I've just got some um, some announcements uh, for the week. So uh, this week, ladies gathering together on Tuesday at uh, 19 Old Bridgewater Road. Or if you've got um, Apple Maps, just put in Maxwell Road and it'll take us right there. Take you right there. It's just really weird. Um, <laughs> and um, the, it'll be the first session of... Uh, Priscilla, is it Shira? Shira, very good. Um, our Bible study, he speaks to me preparing uh, uh, to hear from God. So that um, that's going to be a wonderful night for the ladies. I won't be there. Um, so um, you don't need to have the Bible study book um, to be involved, and I know a number of people have. Um, that's not a prerequisite, um, but... Um, but please bring along something yummy for to share with um, for supper. Uh, Wednesday prayer meeting seven thirty here. Uh, the ladies' meeting seven thirty. Um, prayer meeting here at seven thirty. Um, so that will continue, and uh, and that's a good time. Um, and upcoming uh, next Sunday is Mother's Day. Any thoughts on the um, scones or that's, but yeah, right. That's working on that. Working on something for Mother's Day. Working on it. Uh, and um, my apology for uh, last week. Men's meeting started last Thursday. Uh, that was my bad for not um, having that on the notices um, last Sunday. So the next one will be. Thursday week, and uh, that will be um, at the Maxwell's as well. Um, oh, three weeks' time, Sunday the 22nd of May, we're going to have a baby dedication. There's um, one certain little person who's going to be dedicated on that day. I haven't had anybody else um, uh, come to me, but um, just let that be known that um, if there are any other dedications that uh, anybody would like to, to have happen on that, uh, on that day, please come and see me. Um, that will be wonderful. Um, and you can access service recordings on the link on, in the uh, weekly, monthly newsletters. Um, and we're in the process of working out how to make these a little bit more accessible. Um, 
And then there's the Facebook, Church's Facebook and Instagram accounts. If you're inclined in that way, um, we're posting more content on those. So, um, yeah, that's um, information is good. Communication is good. So um, please make use of all those resources. So I think the, uh, the Kenya just jumped up and rushed out to the coffee machine, so I think that's going to happen. Um, for those people who are, you know, um, what do you say, Indic- bound, bound by that affliction, um, that's out in the foyer. <laughs> good afternoon and the Lord bless you, you're all good.